Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IA Cast. My name is Michael Dois, and this week I have with me uh, Scott Van Gorp. Hello. Aliyah Dudley. Hello. And Jason Earls. Hello. We know in a few weeks we're going to be getting some good Apple news. iPhones. So, iPhones. iPads. And Max? maybe Macs. We'll see. iPhones, but, iPads, and Macs. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> maybe an Apple, Apple Watch Christmas. thrown in there. Maybe, yeah, maybe even a, right. a new Apple Watch. It's going to be an interesting announcement series this year from Apple because we don't really know, you know, what's going to on. We know a lot of things are supposed to happen, but we don't know in the order of which everything's going to happen. So we are pretty sure there's going to be new watches, new iPhones, but there's even rumors of a new Mac Mini that we've been hearing about on podcasts. So what are y'all's thoughts on a new Mac Mini? Well, if they proify the Mac Mini, as it were, and make it start in at the $1,000 price point, I think they'll kind of be shooting themselves in the foot. I don't... I mean, granted, the Mac Mini doesn't sell a ton. That's the only way that people have to get into the Mac ecosystem if they don't want to spend a bunch. And I, yeah, the processor was really slow and stuff, but I think Apple could be sending a big message by changing the price point of these and saying, all right, people, the regular consumer should stick to the iPhones and iPads and the pro person should be the one with the Mac. And that's a little disturbing to me, especially given a comment I got from an Apple accessibility representative who told me that, you know, iOS just wasn't built for productivity. Oh, I remember that. I haven't really heard of any price increases for the Mac Mini, but in one respect that doesn't surprise me, especially if Apple wants to improve the components that are inside the machine. It kind of makes me sad, though, because, you know, I've always sort of seen the Mac Mini as a good way for people to, you know, at an entry level, get into the Mac ecosystem. Not to mention the computers are pretty small from what I've read. I haven't actually seen one, but I mean, you do still have to connect a keyboard monitor and a mouse to them. But I mean, PC users are already used to that. The Mac Mini was my first Mac back in 2005. And I loved it. And back at the, in the time when they were more popular, they used to compare the Mac Mini to a Coke can and show how the Mac Mini was shorter in height than a Coke can. So that was one of the most remarkable things about it. And now, I mean, they took out the CD drive, they made it into a more of a server-like computer, but I think it still has a good place for beginners. I would like to see it continue since that's my, my roots, if you will in uh, going to the Mac. And it's interesting because back then, you know, before I switched to a Mac, I had huge towers for gaming and all of these things that I hooked up to a TV. And I gave a lot of that up for my Mac. And I just love the accessibility features so much that I just kept it and didn't really use Windows much until recently for my home use. So it's very interesting how the landscape changes. I really do think, though, that Apple needs to 
concentrate on bringing the Mac to the entry-level user and not just the pro user. And they need to realize that not every user is going to be able to pay eight, $900 for the entry-level Mac. What was the original price? of? What's the price of the current Mac Mini? Isn't it like, what, $599, I think, for the base config? I think it is $599. I think the... You know, they only go up from there. I paid about that for mine, which if y'all look at a Mac, guys, in comparison, that is a good price. But the thing about them is that their processor leaves a bit to be desired. They're not exactly, I let's put it this way, I could buy a Windows machine with a much better processor in it for that price, but still a good entry-level machine. Well, isn't that true in the base config iMac as well? The, the non-5K iMac, doesn't it, isn't its CPU kind of wimpy too? It's better than the Mac Minis. See, that's weird. I think I think they do. Apple really needs to bump up the specs on their entry devices, I think. But again, guys, remember, they're, these devices are meant for entry-level users who aren't going to be using them for that uh, much of, you know, more than browsing the internet. But I think if you're going to pay... $1,100 to browse the internet, then you need to look at a different device. You need to inspect your priorities. And that's kind of sad because, you know, guys, one of the reasons why it was advised in the past to get a Mac was because you, especially for accessibility users, you paid for the computer with Windows, then you had to pay for JAWS, and then you had to pay for Zoom text or anything that you want. And I guess for Zoom text, if you want those kind of things, it's still the case. Magnifier's catching up, and so is Narrator, and in some cases has caught up. But, you know, it used to be that you had to buy the computer and buy the software. That's no longer the case. And so we really have to, you know, ask ourselves, and actually, you know what? This could be a whole podcast topic on its own, maybe next week, of if... It is worth, you know, saving money by buying a Mac or not anymore. And I think the short answer is no, but I think it is a good no. topic for us to discuss. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, short answer is NVDA and narrator. Well, if, you know, but I don't want to get us sidetracked on that. But Yeah, but preference is like for me, I would miss it. But again new podcast. Now you guys have something to look forward to. This week we wanted to talk about an app that we've developed that is uh, very useful for folks going back to school and it's that time of year. So we wanted to talk about Pocket Braille, our app that lets you look at the different Braille signs and see what they are in Braille and print, get a description and an example. We have this app out for iOS and it's on Android. It's the iOS app currently has much of the grade two contractions and the Android app will be getting that soon. There is a light version of the app and there's a, a paid version with all of the characters that we have currently. So head to the app store, look for Pocket Braille and download that. Let's go on to our main topic for this week. <gasps> iPhone! iPhone, yes iPhone, iPhone, iPhone. You know, at, at first, uh, when when Aaliyah gasped like that, I was like, oh, crap, did I miss something in the ad? 
But no, she's right, just I was like, excited oh God, about happened? the iPhone. <laughs> iPhone. Apple Christmas. Apple Christmas. Yes. Apple Christmas. Apple Christmas. That's WWDC. Well, that's okay. This is fine. Apple Easter. I don't know. Apple <laughs> birthday. <laughs> I don't know. Apple. Um, some other I- celebration. iPhone day. Yeah. Um, iPhone day. So, as far as we know, the event will happen September 12th, and then pre-orders will go out for the 14th, and phones will probably be available the next week or somewhere in between, and iOS will usually come out the Wednesday after the presentation. But unfortunately for me, I got my iPhone 10 in November. So, you know what that means? No upgrade for you or me because I got my iPhone 10 in July. Well, in June, really. So, or me. Who cuz I got Scott, mine in Christmas. Do, do you plan on getting the new phone if it comes out in uh September? I'm kind of in the same boat that you are, Michael. I ended up upgrading in November, so Unless I decide to pay a little bit extra, I will probably have to wait. So that will mean if our own uh, technology addict addict named Allison, <laughs> uh, Allison host Hartley, of the who I-Cast. yes, host of the iCast, Allison Hartley, who buys all of the new shiny tech, uh, gets her hands on it, we'll have to get a, re- a unboxing. An unboxing and a review uh, when she gets that device. Of course, I will be going to the store as soon as they have them available. And maybe the carriers will do a discount program for people who bought the tin. Who knows? You can dream, right? Exactly. Honestly, though, I'm super happy with my 10. I really am. Like, it's a good phone. It's a solid phone. It's a nice form factor, has great battery life. I'm happy with my 10. Honestly, I'm happy with my 8 Plus. I mean, the only the only thing I don't really like about the 8 Plus is the deal with the earpiece being in the speaker. And that's just me being picky because it just it has a different sound in the ear the speaker on the bottom of the phone. But that's not enough reason for me to go out and buy a new phone in the hopes that that's no longer the case. See, so. I I feel like the the speaker on the earpiece on the tin does not really have that much of a difference from the ear the speaker on the bottom. What do you think, Scott and Aaliyah? Uh, I think it does. Really? Yeah. Well, even on like my phone, the speaker on the earpiece has more highs than the one on the bottom, and that's just weird to me. I find it a bit difficult to differentiate between the two. Uh, sometimes it just really depends on what I'm listening to. I feel like whenever I cover the speaker on the bottom, I don't miss any lows like you would hear on, say, some of the Samsung phones where it's really evident that the lows come out of the main speaker at the bottom of the phone. Uh, so I, I feel like there might be some more highs on the top speaker, but I don't notice it that much. Let's talk about the predictions that we're hearing about for the new iPhone. The Uh, fact that the big one's going to be a Subway sandwich? What? Isn't it supposed to be 6.1 inches? Yeah. I'll I'll take a 6-inch iPhone 10 with American cheese, please. 
<laughs> wow. I'm hearing. S- <laughs> wow. But yes, that's what I've heard too. Six point one inch diagonal. So it's going to be about. People are saying it's supposed to be about as wide as the eight plus, but it's just going to be a little bit, possibly longer, or maybe not if it has thinner bezels. Yeah, but eek. I'm hearing the the thinner bezels to be a thing, and yeah, the six point one. There's still I'm still hearing rumors about a six point five inch out there. No. Not that I would want one. Uh, okay. Women's pants pockets are already atrociously small. It's already hard to get an iPhone 10 in my pocket. No. For me, you know, the Plus models were huge. And the iPhone 10 on its own is 5.8. I could totally go, you know, if they make the the, the 10 Plus into a... 6.1 or a 6.5, I don't think it'll be that much bigger. Now, if they make a 6.1-inch phone with home button and bezels and all the other stuff, that's going to be a big phone. But a 10 so, in that form factor wouldn't be too bad. So because it's, you know, some people call it the iPhone X, is this one going to be the iPhone XL? Get it? <laughs> Amused. That's actually a really good question, though. No, that would be a direct Google ripoff. Um. Yeah, it would. Right. Well, here's the thing, though. We might possibly be dealing with more than one iPhone that ends yeah. up being announced. There's talk of three, I think. Yes, that's what I've been seeing. Uh, potentially three different ones. A lower-end one that's going to have slightly different materials. And then the two... Uh, iPhone 10 style devices. I understand that this is hoping for a lot, but what I think would be nice to see is have the three phones come out with their different materials, you know, the the 10 and the 10 plus, whatever they're going to be called with the OLED screens and all that good stuff. But the cheaper iPhones would be the same phone with just the LCD screen and possibly aluminum, whereas the well, and glass for wireless charging. I know that's hoping for a lot, but that's what I personally hope to see, and I won't be surprised if I don't. And have the same, you know, internal specifications. Are you hoping to see Touch ID come back? Um, maybe as a secondary feature, not necessarily as the primary biometric way of unlocking the device. I don't think they're going to bring it back. I don't either, but at least not on the iPhone. And I don't know that it's coming back on any devices. And I think it's going away on the iPad, judging on what we've seen in the betas with the swipe gestures, the iPhone 10 gestures coming to iPad. Uh, that home button looks like it's going away. That's true, but there is a, there is apparently a purported random area cut out on supposed new cases for iPad Pros, and we're not entirely sure what it is. I was seeing that on the back near the camera area. Oh, Samsung copy? Anybody? If that's where they're putting Touch ID, that is a total ripoff. No, I think it's more camera assembly. You think? 
Yes. I thought there was supposed to be one by the area of the home button, except on the back of the iPad as well, unless I misread the post, the article. Looking at the picture, that's what it looked like. Some of the iPhone renderings that are out there also indicate that there could be an upgrade to the camera system, if not this year, potentially next year. The other things that I find interesting are the potentials of a 512 iPhone, gig iPhone. What are y'all's thoughts on that? That's huge. I mean, for people that produce a lot of video, good for them. Exactly. But I'm not going to buy it. No. I don't need that much space. I only have a 64 gig phone, and as of right now, that meets my needs. iPad, on the other hand, I don't even know if I'd buy a 512 gig iPad. 256 is fine for me. I mean, honestly, I still have a lot of space left on this one. I don't need my iPhone costing as much as a baseline MacBook Pro. Yeah, that's just way more space than anybody's realistically <coughs> going to need. I mean, that's what you've got iCloud for. Actually, for a lot of folks shooting 4K, it's going to be very useful. But the other thing that I think that 512 phone is going to have that I think is going to be really awesome is Apple Pencil support. This kind of copies the Note 9, which has uh, up to a terabyte of space with the addition of an SD card. You know, it has 512 gigs of built-in storage, but it also has that additional expansion. But, you know, Apple's going to try to go as close as they can by doing a 512 phone gig phone. What are y'all's thoughts of Apple Pencil support on an iPhone? That's That's cool, what they make I guess. iPads for? <laughs> I that's my thought. I'm thinking if you're going to do that, you might as well just get an iPad. Let me put this scenario out there. Even for a blind user, okay, say you have your iPhone and an Apple Pencil in your pocket. And you want to jot down a quick note and you know how to write print. You can literally take the Apple Pencil, tap the screen and just start writing, even with voiceover on. And then you could use Seeing AI to convert that digitally to digital text. Eh. I think that's pretty powerful. I'm, I'm actually kind of excited about that. I don't know a lot of... I mean, for sighted people, that's okay. But I don't know a lot of blind people who can just pick up a pencil and write quickly enough to be productive. I knew somebody when I was in school who could write perfectly in print and I commend them for that. And apparently they could write according to them anyway, pretty fast. So for those people that would be awesome. And I, and I'm not saying it's a bad idea for the iPhone to have Apple pencil support. It's a weird blurred area. I think because Yes, the iPad has a bigger screen. All of the iPads have a bigger screen than the iPhone. But, you know, if somebody ends up getting this big phone and then they end up having the iPad, it, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's weird to me. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it's weird. And that's okay, I think. 
<laughs> well, low vision users like myself who like to have the best of both worlds in the in a pocket. I think this new phone is going to be amazing and I cannot wait to try some of those features like being able to just tap the screen like if I'm at convention, I don't want to have to take out a keyboard and all that stuff. I could just go and you know, write on the screen then use seeing AI to convert it into digital text and that is really exciting from a low vision perspective. I didn't even think about being able to do that until we started recording this, but I think that's going to be one amazing way for low vision users to use this new iPhone. So I will definitely be picking this one up. I've heard a rumor, and I suspect it's highly unlikely, that Apple may release an iPhone without a lightning connector because of wireless charging. I think that's not necessarily the case yet. No. I don't think we're there, but I did read it. Not a giant Apple Watch without the ability to connect to something to restore it. No. I've seen that same rumor, and speculation is probably 2019, 2020, or even 21. I agree with Aaliyah. If Apple is going to do that, there needs to be a way to connect the iPhone to iTunes or whatever software may or may not replace iTunes in the future to do a restore should it be necessary. We already have that issue with the Apple Watch, so I totally agree there. I am also hearing through the rumor mill, besides getting rid of the lightning port, uh, some even faster processors than there already are. Don't know how possible that is, but I'm thinking... How fast and how small are these chips going to have to be before we reach, you know, maximum performance? Terminal velocity. Right. Essentially, I did hear yes. seven. I did hear seven nanometers, possibly, I think. Unless we're already at seven, I don't remember. I thought they were or down to seven five. Or ten. I thought they were down to were five. They? I thought so, too. Maybe it was, maybe, maybe it was five. But I've just been reading about so many, like, CPU things. But in the near future, Moore's Law will catch up. You know, it's kind of caught up on the desktop. And it's going to be catching up and becoming invalid on the mobile side before long. You know, every mobile chip gets better and better, according to Moore's Law. And, you know, on the desktop, instead of getting faster and faster and, and following that principle they've had to make more cores and change the way, you know, we're now guys limited by light speed on how fast these chips can be. So to fix that, we have to expand outward with more cores and more, you know, uh, performance through caching and other things. So I don't think we're there yet on the mobile side, but uh, it's very interesting where, Mobile processors are having to go. You know, I think what's happening is is that the core is getting smaller and smaller so we could fit more power onto a smaller or the same-sized form factor. Which means mobile companies might eventually start have to considering cooling technology for their devices. No, I don't I would think, think so. I don't think it'll be f where we have to have fans because then that defeats the purpose of a mobile device. In fact, mobile processors will probably eventually help desktop manufacturers have to have less cooling in machines 
or it will allow for higher performance chips without the need to power on the fan as frequently. Well, I wasn't actually thinking fans. I was more thinking CPU placement and CPU venting technology. I read an article a while ago talking about uh, one of the Android manufacturers. It might have been uh, Asus. I don't remember, but they made this gaming phone, and they had to design a way to keep the CPU cool under load as well. And I think they also had, it was either an accessory or it came with the phone, some sort of like little fan that you could connect to the phone to help keep it cool too if you were playing a lot of CPU intensive games, which is well, where my thinking was coming like from. Like the Nintendo Switch is basically a thicker seven inch tablet and it has little vents to vent heat off of the processor and graphics chip. That thing plays Doom and other very high graphics quality games on a very small form factor. It's really amazing what that thing can do. And so they had to put some great cooling tech in that device. That's going to do it for our main part of the show. Do you guys have any final comments on this episode? iAccessibility will be doing live coverage. I don't have class that day. So assuming it's on the 12th, we're going to be doing coverage. Sweet. I really hope I don't have to miss it. We will be very excited for this. We're going to do live coverage, and I cannot wait to write articles, and we're going to have all kinds of great what's new with voiceover. Don't know that there is much, but uh, we're going to have Nothing. articles <laughs> on <laughs> using the Shortcuts app. We're going to have tutorials on all the new things that Apple has added, which is not that much this year, so not much writing for us. Yay. Um, on the iPhone, we'll, we'll write how the Apple Watch walkie-talkie app works, and other things very soon on iAccessibility. I don't know. I, I, I feel kind of... I don't even know how to describe it. I'm definitely excited about the event. But I feel like it's... For me, there's kind of this undertone of disappointment where Apple's already had to say, look, we're not we're going to release iOS 12 with group FaceTime. So that's already one of its big features. I just hope that nothing else ends up having to not be released because it just kind of... Well, let's face it, group FaceTime was kind of a pile. <laughs> well, I would agree, but it just... I mean, I just hope there's nothing that's going to happen with these new phones. I guess this is what I was trying to get at. I hope that iOS features that will most likely be specific to the newer devices that Apple's going to announce won't end up being delayed. I hope that they will be ready when the phones are available for people to purchase. Now, I know they've delayed stuff before. Something with portrait mode, wasn't it delayed for a while when the 6S came out? It was brought in an iOS update. For a few months, yes. Yeah, so I know it's happened before. I just hope this is one time where that doesn't happen. We're going to go ahead and finish up today. So we're going to do our usual close-up. So, Scott... Where is your pick for the week, and where can people find you online? My pick for the week would be the Lyft app uh, as part of the Lyft ride-sharing service. It's an app that has gone through several updates recently, but the one thing that has not changed, at least I haven't found anything major yet, is the accessibility of it. It is still uh, fully accessible. I uh, haven't run into any issues, you know, being able to 
request rides or do any ratings or anything like that. So it's just been a very stable app to work with. And Lyft itself has been my ride-sharing service of choice for quite some time now, um, in large part due to the way the app has been working. So that's my pick. As far as where you can find me, people can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can send me an email to scott at iAccessibility.net. You can also follow me on Twitter at Scott Van Gorp. Or you can search for me on Facebook. Just search for Scott Heidi Van Gorp. Before we move on, I want to speak a little bit to the Lyft app. And that is to say, one of the recent updates has changed something where for non-voiceover users, there's a completely new user interface than there is for voiceover users. And it is not accessible. In fact, you have to turn on, uh, have voiceover on before you start the app to get the traditional experience. I am not a fan of that. I do not like when developers implement different interfaces for blind people as opposed to sighted people. That upsets me a lot. There's no sense in that. Wow, was not aware. I'm not a fan of using the new interface for low vision ride hailing, so I'm just not a big fan. So with that being said, Jason, what is your pick of the week, and where can people find you online? So my pick for this week is the Bose SoundTrue earbuds. Now, these earbuds have been discontinued for a little while, but I think you can still find them on Amazon and other places for a pretty nice price. The earbuds are very, very comfortable, amazingly comfortable. Um, they, they don't have quite the bass response well, they have the response, but you're not necessarily going to hear quite as much low-end bass as you might with headphones like the Studio 3s or even the Bose SoundTrue Ultras, which I hope to have at some point soon. Um, and the reason for that is because they are a floating bud. So they don't actually create a seal in your ear canal to produce their, their sound, which means you can hear around them if you're not listening to things extremely loudly and... It you know, they, as I said, they're extremely comfortable. The microphone's pretty decent. Um, and they're just, they're just a really, really nice pair of earbuds, I think. They're what some article called safe earbuds, which means they should sound relatively great with whatever you throw at them. And I would tend to agree with that statement. So that's going to be my pick. I've kind of fallen back in love with them. I haven't used them regularly for a while, but in the past couple months, I sort of dug them out and... They're pretty nice. As far as where people can find me, you can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at jason at iAccessibility.net. You can search for me on Facebook. Just search for Jason Earls. And you can also follow me on Twitter at JDE91. That is Juliet Delta Echo 91. Aaliyah, where can people find you online and what is your pick this week? My pick for this week is a tried and true access tool on the iPhone, and that is Seeing AI. It has a short text reader that reads any text in front of the camera immediately, a document reader, currency identifier, scene description, light detector, uh, face recognition. It has a bunch of tools in it. It's really a good Swiss Army knife for your camera on your iPhone. It really is nice and it's free. 
So uh, I know it's pretty well known, but I just have to say that when going through all the paperwork that I went through while I was moving this past week, seeing AI was a lifesaver. You can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at Aaliyah, that's A-L-E-E-H-A at iAccessibility.net, or you can follow me on Twitter at BlindCowGirl199. And before we move on, I just want to make a quick comment about seeing AI, and that is, you know, it's like you said, Aaliyah, I've, I love seeing AI. Like today, I was looking at how to turn local off on my keyboard so that if I were trying to use it for um, a, a MIDI controller for both input and output, I wouldn't have like double instruments. And with seeing AI's help, it was a little rough getting going for a while, but I was able to read the screen enough to figure it out. And that was really, really amazing. It was so cool. My pick this week is a program I just purchased and I'm still learning, but it's amazing. It's called Reaper. Reaper is a sound and music editing solution that allows you to basically do a lot of the things that you could do with Logic. And the reduced license is $60 that you could use for a personal or, or small business use license. But what I like about it is, is it has, it's, it's very simple, very similar to GarageBand or Logic, but it has its own ways of doing things. You could very, you know, you could customize the interface, the layout, and it's very keystroke uh, focused. So I'm very excited about using this. We're going to be using it for post-production and other uh, possibly for initials if people like it well enough on our shows. And I'm just a really big fan of how it works. Plus, the advantage that it has over Logic is you pay $60 and you have it for the Mac and Windows. And as long as you have your license file, which you can, I'm, I believe, re-download if you lose it, you can install that license on any computer. I'm really becoming a big fan of this program. I mean, Audacity is great. Several other the other free programs are great, but this is really cool. I'm really enjoying it. I have already learned a lot in a day after taking a lynda.com class on it and just doing some work with it, but it's really, really cool. You could also find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can follow me on Twitter. Just search for Mike Doeys. You can find me on Facebook. Just search for Michael Doeys. You can email me at Mike Doeys. That's M-I-K-E-D-O-I-S-E at iAccessibility.net. And you could also go to my personal webpage at MichaelDoeys.com. If you want to find iAccessibility, you can at iAccessibility.net. We are iAccessibility1 on Twitter. We have our iAccessibility iOS app. We are working on our Android version of the app. So very excited about that. We are on YouTube. We are on Tumblr. We are all over the web. So just look for iAccessibility. And you can always know it's us because we have the belief to make success accessible. So to help us make our success accessible, we also have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash IACast. Any donations and ways of subscribing, you know, becoming a patron there will help us 
bring you better content and it helps us put all of what our dreams are into reality. Our outtakes are all on Patreon and so are our uh, full raw episodes, our recordings before edits and also our premium podcasts that you will not get from our main feed. So head over there, become a patron, and we really appreciate all the folks that become a supporter of iAccessibility. I would like to thank everybody that was on the stream today listening. I want to thank everybody who takes part in the editing and production of the show. And I really appreciate everything that everybody does in the iAccessibility community and the advice and the help that we get to make all of this happen. So I really appreciate everybody that's on the show today, that's on the stream, and that listens each week to our content. So we really appreciate that. So, all right, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. We will be back next week with possibly the topic we discussed during the show. So, uh, we will be back for that, and we will see everybody next week. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Copyright 2018, iAccessibility, LLC.